if I needed crutches that were my for my height, I would go ahead and splash out and get those. <laughs> I think I'm just so mad that I'm injured. I refuse to like spend money on something. Like everything yeah, in my head, I'm in always denial. comparing it. I'm like, oh, I could be buying gear with this. This is like wow. equivalent. Of, I know it's so dumb. What's like, like the gear that you're coveting? I'm saving up for a mountain bike. I want Stop my own yelling at with me. a woman's seat. Okay, God the bu- damn it. Okay, the mountain bike is the yeah, I, that is expensive. I get that. It's insane. It's the it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like, what know, are we so, talking for the one you want? Two grand? Four? No, eight? I'm going to get it used. Yeah. Obby, mm-hmm. And we're looking at yeah. If like you're buying a used goddamn fifteen boot for fifteen hundred. Yeah. But okay. like this is like yeah the bear of like what you need. That's the bear. It's insane. Like I and that's why I'm saving for that. So it's like fifteen hundred, and I'm you gonna, still won't feel like it's fancy or anything. No, I won't feel yeah. like it's fancy because it's like it is. It's the rich. baseline model, and then I'll have to get a, spend one hundred and fifty dollars on a on a seat that's because it's not going to be the seat I get. Yeah. So, but I'm hawking the old wedding ring. So that is, I have yeah. tried to like Sarah's wedding ring is gorgeous and yes. I love it. And I have, yes. I'm like, Sarah, I want it. I want to buy it. <sighs> But then well, maybe I feel yours guilty. for a good, good deal because okay. I, I I go to pick up the GIA certification. All right, you keep me posted. Now we get to see if the price that it was yeah. <laughs> discussed to be <laughs> the alleged the, price. Alleged. My mom, when she turned in her wedding ring, like she went to go pawn her wedding ring when she got divorced. Mm-hmm. Fake diamond. Oh my god! Oh yeah. <gasps> My mom couldn't believe it. She was like, "Everybody should go get their baby appraised because that is divorce court." If that's the case, (gasps) well, and I wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't matter if if it weren't like in his in his proposal was the mention of yeah no he said yeah your this ring is the one percent like one only one percent of diamonds are are yellow and only one percent of those diamonds are like this kind of thing and you are like the one percent of the one percent which hello i was like "Mm, yeah so when he proposed he yes sold the ring to you in a way like in a way so i now it's like i'm like oh i wonder what we shall see we we shall see so all I ask is right of first refusal. I, mean, I, yeah. I want to be able to be, you know, the right of first refusal. You get the estimate and then oh, yeah. I'll say whether I can handle that or not. For sure. Okay. It's, thank it's you. all yours. You yeah. guys heard it here, okay? Yeah. And they already took it out of the setting to, and I feel like that breaks all the the bad juju that was left. So it's That's like true. loose and now yeah. it's like free to do whatever <laughs> it wants to do. Yeah. All right. We'll see. Yeah. If anybody else is looking for the 1% of the 1% of the ring. Our... <laughs> What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. 
It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm-mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Are you sad about Her Majesty's No. Nope. <laughs> Did I say that too quick? I knew you were going to talk about this, and I'm I'm so glad that you did. Yes, are and am, you know, I had to bring it up. I have a British son, a British husband. Yes, I, my mother-in-law's here is from jolly old England. I, I it's on the brain, you man. Have tea. We have so much constantly, tea. so much tea, so much English breakfast. As soon as I saw that queen died, I got a, I got in the car and went to Costco and stocked up on PG tips. <laughs> I forgot. You cannot believe how much tea we're going through over here. Is it like? Are you in mourning? How do you feel? No, we think it's very funny to pretend that we are, though. Yeah, it is kind of funny. Yeah. But like, no, we're definitely not in mourning. Ch- Come on, because I like, think it's all very silly. It is very. Uh, when I read in <laughs> the headline that the royal bees, yeah, that they announced the death of the queen to the royal bees, I was like, oh, for fuck's sake! Like, Did what you- are you doing? <laughs> Like, meanwhile, people are, like, starving places and, like, this seems... Uh, yeah, but you, you know, know what I learned? colonialism, like, all that kind of stuff and, like, like English imperialism and all that, whatever, like, all that. This is not... They're good. hanging on, though, man. They do not want to let this go. But the the telling the bees thing, that's not just for the queen. That's for any beekeeper. What do you, what do you mean? Every beekeeper... What do you mean? By tradition, this has been dates mean? back like hundreds of years that if you're a beekeeper, you are supposed to go to your bees. I'm okay. not lying here. And announce and what? Anything important in the family, deaths, marriage, births, anything like that. Like important in the royal family or important no, in, in any your family? family. And well, they were her bees. They were her bees. So. Oh. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Because like if my... God forbid, partner passed away and we had bees. God yeah, I'd probably have to let those bees know. Yeah, what the guy does is he... I feel more okay with that, actually, than any other celebratory thing that they're doing. Like, not celebratory, <laughs> but like right. in memoriam thing they're doing. Actually, that's the one thing I'm okay with. <laughs> right. I'm on the side of the bees here. I've switched, my, I've, switched, I've switched my opinion very quickly. <laughs> yes, like the beekeeper goes over and he like knocks, for real, he knocks on the hive... But in hushed tones, says, your mistress is dead and you have it. Well, that's what they called her. Your headmistress, mistress, And then now you have a new mister. The king is taken over, guys. So because it's a superstition, they think if you don't announce things, then the bees won't make honey. Well, bees are smart. Right. Smarter than we give them credit for. I don't know what they understand. Hey, after mm-hmm. after we learned that spiders dream, you know. 
I take issue with that. I think that's going to be an episode of Things We Got Wrong. No, I definitely because think it's Things We Got Wrong. I read the article after our episode, and, <laughs> and uh, I think that you – the use of the word dream is a problem. Because just because you have REM sleep doesn't mean you're dreaming. Well – Okay, but when you watch a dog kick, kick its little legs around like that, don't you think that dog is dreaming? I definitely do. Okay, so what's the difference? But I could have been wrong about that dog. About the dog? Yeah, like about all of them. Maybe they're not dreaming. Anybody with a dog owner, dog owners, please write in right now. And <laughs> I know. Me. I agree with you about the dogs. Yeah, why don't cats do that? They're dead inside. Let's face yeah. it. But what I if, like. Cats I'll take think. it though because you know how dogs fart and then you have to be like, oh my god, oh, it smells so yeah. bad. Cats don't. Yeah, they don't. So like, there's some good and bad there with the cat situation. Yeah, that's very good. There's a lot of good. With I cat know. Situation. I'm glad about that. No, oh, uh, Eli and I talk about this. Like the next, we travel too much, and like you know, it will be a cat next time. Yeah, I can definitely have a see name that. picked out. Is it punny? No, it's cute though. It's like what very it? pro mango. Oh, oh, right. You guys love mangoes. Yeah, mm-hmm. isn't that cute? It's a perfect yeah. name for a cat. Give me a little orange and white like striped cat named Mango. <gasps> oh, <laughs> I can't take That's it. So cute. Then you know we have to get another one, a black one for me. I want you guys. Yes, you do need a black cat. They are great. Okay. But anyway, yeah, the monarchy is a bunch of bullshit. There's exactly one royal I care about, and her name's Meghan Markle. Yep. And beyond that, they can fuck themselves. Especially Charles. That guy's disgusting. And Andrew. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Everything is rather problematic in, like, Mm -hmm. ugh. And how, like, at the funeral, they're letting Andrew wear his royal... Outfit, uniform, outfit. Outfit. I love calling a uniform an outfit. My favorite thing. Every time I watch football with a guy, I'm always like, oh, which one is your favorite outfit? They hate it. I love, this is my favorite thing. That's the best part. Eli doesn't know that, like, I played fantasy football. I mean, maybe he knows. But, like, I know a lot about football, and I am totally pretending that I do not. I'm like, I'm, like, not entertaining that whatsoever, so that does not become any part of our relationship dynamic. So I just keep, like, pretending that I don't know. And so, like, I don't know who was playing. It was, like, the, 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 whoever, like, the Bengals and, like, the Chargers. And I, I said, it said L-A-R for L-A. No, it was the Rams. It was L-A Rams, L-A-R. And I was like, who, who is this team? The, the Lariats? <laughs> I know that's not a team. And it's I like the fastest laughing. way and he was to like, make what are you crazy. doing? And I was like, I'm pretending they don't know about this. <laughs> Anyways, what were we talking about? They <laughs> let Andrew wear his yep, uniform. It's... It was an exception because he's not supposed to because he's a fucking pedophile. Ugh, but yeah. Ooh, they are not letting Harry... Oh! <gasps> Even though he was 10 years in the military and she was his commander in chief. Because he said bye bye. Because to the he departed. Oh. Mm-hmm. And that's disgusting. They are so petty, that royal family, for fuck's yeah. sake. Like they prefer deviance over departure. And that is disgusting. Ew. Anybody who says, like, like pledges like a loyalty Bingo. to anything Bingo. is like on all, like, and. Without, like, it's not, like, it's unwavering, I guess. Or yes. Like, Regardless of circumstances. Yes. 
Yeah. That is a red flag. Big old red flag. Because I know some bad, politicians bad, bad. who are like that about loyalty. Bad, bad idea. And also mobsters. <laughs> like anything not good. Yeah. Come so on. So anyway, we're not sad, but no. um, what I will say is, I mean, Man. she was impressive. Elizabeth was impressive in certain ways as, you know, humans are good and bad. Good and bad. Right. Absolutely. And there were things about her that were really impressive. Here's a fun fact I learned on NPR. Mm-hmm. When Elizabeth took, became queen, mm-hmm. she, the first prime minister that she worked with was Winston Churchill, who was born in 1874. And the final prime minister she worked with was Truss, who was just put into office mm-hmm. and was born in 1974. Whoa. That is unbelievable. A 100-year gap or a span. span. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, she was probably the only woman in a lot of rooms, yes. especially early That's on. That's true. That's true. It's especially working. In, yeah. Uh-huh. But we could do without the genocide and colonial um, yeah. stuff. <laughs> and, like, mass starvation of multiple countries under British rule. That was less great. Nobody, yeah. Not so great. All right. Well, R.I.P. Lizzie. Um, uh, <laughs> but I feel like now it's time to turn it up. Like, I feel like now maybe all – can we just, like, go back? Like, like, can we, like, throw all the – I was she the one who was hanging on to, to certain mm, uh, standards and traditions? Stuff. Yeah, old-timey stuff. Like, I feel like – you know, Thanksgiving changes after like grandma dies, right? That's true. So I hope this, so. One thing I that, hope so too. Like, cause she wasn't, way. she was never um, political, so people didn't know for sure how she felt about stuff, which for some people is comforting and helpful. But King Charles, he has been previously outspoken about climate change, and that could be good because okay. while he may temper his out like his verbal thoughts about it now. Mm-hmm. We already know how he feels about it. So yeah. hopefully there's some good changes that come from that. Okay. That's all of we can do we is we need hope. it here more than we need it over there. You, the climate change stuff? You, you know, hey, people I, believe in it. Global. Well, yeah, but I mean, any yes, like yes, yes, stuff correct. that they do to improve Absolutely. that globally is great. And any money or efforts or like yeah. put towards that. Yeah. Maybe we'll uh, have some different causes. Another thing that's really great is... Liquid IV. Say, hey, liquid IV, my BFF. Yeah. <laughs> on all adventure trips. Oh. I honestly, listen, right. I am all the time at altitude. Like most of the hikes we're going on are above 12,000 feet. That's when insane. you're above 12,000 feet, you're, you're, you know, dealing with some elements and stuff and you're, there's dehydration, there's altitude sickness, like being hydrated is such an important part of me being able to do the things that I love to do where I live and be as active as I want to do. And I am so grateful for liquid IV to help me stay hydrated like that. Well, and I would recommend not doing any of this stuff Sarah's talking about, but if you are, (laughs) you are going to, Liquid IV is a great way to do it. It's a little pouch. You can just take it in your bag and then you pour it into your water. It'll hydrate you two times faster and more efficiently than water. Great flavors. Passion fruit is the best. 
Passion fruit is her favorite. I, I've tried them all now. I took pina colada for a spin. <laughs> for a spin. I did. And I still think pa- I come back to passion fruit. That's your tried and true. Give it a try yourself. Grab your Liquid IV in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code CANDY at checkout. Use Except tangerine. I, I, tangerine. That's I the one more. you don't like? Tide. Tide. Tangerine. Delicious. Oh, you like tangerine? Oh, so good. Okay. Good to yeah. know. So there you yeah, go, yeah. people. Both those. Okay. Let's move on, shall we? Yes. Um, Let me talk about... Hmm. Maybe choose your own adventure books. Oh, oh. Were you were probably into those, I bet. Absolutely, I was. But I think my favorite part of them was not getting to the. I. I it was going back and reading the other option. Yeah. Yeah, that's always fun. Like it. I had to know what I was missing out on. Yeah. If I chose that. I chose door number one. But uh, I, all I what care about is what's behind yeah. door number two. That was it. Yeah. There was an article in the New Yorker about it. And it was great because it provided the history, where they came from, who created them, what what's so appealing about them, what it can teach us about human behavior. The article is very long, so I recommend it. Maybe, Dell, you could put it in our newsletter, which you can sign up for on our website, because there was so much to it. And I was never really into them personally. I I had a few, yeah. but like they it wasn't. But like you're a big not deal. into fiction as yeah in general, in general. right? Yeah. But the story of the books was really cute. This guy, he was an attorney, and he um, would read to his little girls in the night, and he would get frustrated because he would want the protagonist to have like maybe made a different choice, and so. Yeah. He started creating his own little bedtime stories for his girls, and he would let each of them choose, like, Aww. what do you think the character does next? And then they could each pick an ending. Cute. Very cute. And then he started writing them for real, and there was another guy that joined oh, him. It's and so they were crazy doing to think that somebody made that. Like, it feels like something that's just, just always been is. there. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, choose your own adventure books. Like, yeah. But there's just, like, some guy who was like, some mm, guy made what if it was he the did first one? Yeah. Oh, and like write it down. And the they, the two guys that sort of did it were, had different approaches. The guy that I'm talking about, he had more of like, he wanted the choices to be realistic and um, almost like balanced so that there wasn't like an obviously good choice okay, and an I obviously like bad choice. And they had like different kinds where some was like, do you want to go right or do you want to go left? Those That's kinds. what I always think is like, here you're going to reach a pet, like a, a fork in the road. Yeah. Like where you can go. And then they had some that weren't so right or left. It was more like ethical questions. I was say, more moral. Yeah. Like who do you want to help or yeah. what do you well, want like to do? When you Stay were to help or go on in your journey. When, when you picked, did you tend to pick like what you would actually choose in real life? Or was it like, let me take a risk because it's not me? Oh, what a good question. What a fun thing to explore. I think I always wanted to do the altruistic thing. Mm. I, I can tell from like even just the cartoon characters I, I cared about. Like it was like Oscar the Grouch and Eeyore. It was like the sad ones I wanted to help. You wanted to help So I guys. think it, I would have done anything that like made me feel like I was helping others in the story or like 
Yeah, but yeah, what I I think it, I would say I would be more in line with what I would do, and to yeah. see where it got me, and then yeah. I would put on the hat of like, ooh, my alter ego. Like, what would she do? What would like this other side of me do? <laughs> That's right, would, Sarah. That's yeah. what they said. That oftentimes the children would, for the first choice, the first decision, would do what they would do in real life, and then after that they would be a little bit more bold, and they yeah. think like. Maybe I'll do a little something different. And they would choose something a little crazier. Because it gives Um, you a sense of like, oh, gosh, okay, good. My my instinct is like, he didn't end up dead. Yeah, that's... If I do this. That's another thing that they said that like, they wanted it to feel like most of the time the virtuous choice would pay off, but not always. Yeah. Yeah. So that sometimes... You would do the right thing in it because that's real life. Yeah. Oh, you know what I mean. I think I love choose your own adventure books way more than like I even thought. We should do. We should explore these for the book club. Right. Like they, they're very um, telling about the way that life actually works and the complications of how things aren't. There's mm-hmm. no formula for a perfect life. Basically, you know what I mean. Right. And you always um, love those sliding door stories, which I feel like I do. Quantum kind leap, of the same thing. Mm-hmm. But um, the author, the the guy that I'm referring to, he wanted it to be um, like gender neutral protagonists, but the publisher mm-hmm. only wanted boys because the publisher said girls will happily read books about boys, but boys won't read books about girls, and I. Yeah. We all know that that's a true thing. I mean, we're all watching men play basketball and we're not watching the WNBA, most of us. So what do you think that is? Why is that? I think maybe male has been the default main character. I mean, even in our language, that so much makes women feel like the other. Like there's been so many things that even the word man and woman that we are an addition to like you take this root word of man and you add that to it that there's been such a history of male representation in all parts of society Mm -hmm. that we've accepted that as like the no, the default the standard, human. the default human. Yeah, and we. The, it, I remember when I saw the movie uh, Wonder Woman, and I cried in the opening scene because women were wearing flats, not heels, and not like, and they were they were. It was all at eye like superhero women, and I was imagining what little girls who had not had that experience of, like, first seeing Superman and Spider-Man, all these, like, males be the hero, to get to see, like, if this was your first experience as a kid, a little girl, to watch that scene, like, your first superhero movie is, like, women being badasses. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God, that would change how you thought you could play. Yeah. I didn't have that. But I want to play like that. So it felt like I couldn't do that. So, like, I think that we see how much representation matters. Like, we, I hear this, like, Little Mermaid trailer came out where it's a black Little Mermaid. And all little, if you watch, like, the videos of little girls responding to it, oh, it's 
it's so cute because they're like, oh my gosh, that looks like me. It it matters. So I think that when men see, because they're so not used to seeing a female lead, it and the only time we do, because like we know the like Beschel test and everything shows how infrequently female centric movies are like mm, I don't know, even like create made like that yeah. it's it does it's it doesn't happen a lot. And even ones where like females talk to each other where it's not like a male centered cat storyline and everything, that it feels like it's not for them. In the same way, anybody who's getting mad about there being a black little mermaid, a story about a made up fish, and it says like little mermaid should be white, needs to like recognize that they have a problem with not seeing themselves in everything. Yeah. Which is the exact same thing that men have if they go, oh, this show isn't for me because it's about women. I mean, truly, that's what made me absolutely commit to the comedy show with um, Challenge Mania. Yeah. Oh. They need like, a woman. They had no women. Oh crap! And I was like, "That's not their fault. It was because right, right. there aren't any. There aren't right because right. women are discouraged from being funny. Women are discouraged yeah. from all kinds of things." And when they asked, I was like, uh, "I haven't done this in ten years, so I don't know what's going to happen. But I do know <laughs> that we can't just have men, right?" That would be terrible. So that what you're saying, I understand because it makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I hate it <sighs> that they're like that. I can remember getting in, in an argument. I can't remember what show it was, but I was trying to pitch some show. Oh, A Big Little Lies. Yeah. Phenomenal show. Yeah. I was trying to sell that show to whoever I was dating at the time. And they were oh like, no, God. that's a show for women. And I'm like, that show is not. And it is such a fucking good story. And I would like, if you are a man listening and you have watched Big Little Eyes and you think it is as awesome as I do, please, please reach out. I'm going to put a post on, I'm going to put a poll on Instagram about this. Like, are you a male that thinks Big Little Eyes was a good show? You know? Wow. Because come on. That show's phenomenal. (laughs) Right. But that is like a barrier that if it's perceived as being meant Because there are – it's all about women. Like – and the males are not so savory. I think also men have a hard time seeing men in in unsavory position – like characters. Like when they're the the abuser or – Oh, I think that maybe they don't love when the men show vulnerability. Probably both. I think they're fine with the abuse stuff. Really? (laughs) Yeah, because it's a sanctioned emotion for men is aggression. Ah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that if they're starting to get all touchy-feely, they're like, what the? Oh, God. What is this? (laughs) God forbid. But um, in this case with the – excuse me, the – Choose Your Own Adventure, he uh, talks about, in the article, it talks about how he struggled his whole life with the idea that we talk about a lot, like regret, Mm -hmm. those choices that you make in your life 
he's kind of like preoccupied with that, uh-huh, which is uh-huh. cool because he made it. He found yes. a way to make it work he for him. Channeled that into something. Yeah, and how? Well, like I say all the time, like I am, I have, I'm competitive and sometimes mm-hmm. to a fault. And so if you can make your faults work for you, like, okay, yep. I'm going to be competitive with myself. Yes. I'm going to do better in the, whatever, but you're only 100%. doing it to yourself. Okay. So he I think found- the same thing about Steve- Stephen King and the dark thoughts in his head, and he wrote them all down into books and boom, billionaire. Yes. Like if you can find a way to make your weaknesses or yeah. things you're haunted by, whatever you're, yeah. It could, yeah. Yes. Then that can be a real ticket out of a nightmare. Um, I wanted to read, this is what I guess it says on the first opening page of the books. I don't remember this disclaimer, but it said, life is not a continuous line from the cradle to the grave. Rather, it is many short lines, each ending in a choice and branching right and left to other choices, like a bunch of seaweed. And, um, that we have a tendency because Humans love narratives and we create stories mm-hmm. about ourselves. Mm-hmm. They don't even, they might not even be true, but they're the stories we tell ourselves or the stories we tell other people about, I did this and then I did this. Mm-hmm. And then. We like these linear stories, but that life is like mm, right, wild. Yep. I always picture it as like a river, like the, the almost like, it almost looks like capillaries or something like that. Like if you were to look overhead at what like a river looks like flowing and like the big ones that flow like north to south, big rivers, you know, there are those moments where they split off and they create little streams or creeks and like some dead end and dry up. And then other ones like branch off and connect to another stream that leads to another river that ends at another, I don't know, what are they called? Tributary or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And um, I only know that because Eli and I asked the question of what the heck is the difference between a stream and a creek and a brook? And then we went on to define every single one of those body of waters <laughs> and all those things. So it's like fresh on my mind. Um, but yeah, I see it like that. It's like, you know, you may end up at a few different outcomes, but the, the little branches and like the parts where you can, you know, take detours and everything are plentiful. And so one choice that I would never... Course undo is the choice to try dipsy stories well hello that is <laughs> that gets my river flowing if you know what i mean <laughs> hi <laughs> dipsy stories can get mm. your motor running with their various audible stories yes, yes. about for relaxation sexiness <laughs> A little get you in the mood. Listen, I Maybe romance. Yes. So much of our sexual experience goes on in our mind. And something that can help get you to the... Like, my mind is so busy. So having something that can come in and kind of replace the busy thoughts in my mind to put me in the mood that I want to be in, but like sometimes struggle to get in. Yeah. It is such a, it's almost real like, handy. Yeah. Hmm. So <laughs> they are short audio, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They also have, you know, soundscapes and all sorts of things if you things want to get, to get to you sleep. relaxed. Yeah. Chill the heck out. And whatever outcome you want from that. You want the big O? 
There you go. You want sleep and some Z's? There you go. Sleep stories, wellness sessions, and then, of course, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about. For listeners of the show, Dipsy's offering an extended 30-day free trial. When you go to dipsystories.com slash brain candy, that's 30 days of full access for free. When you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash brain candy, dipsystories.com slash brain candy. We love those guys at Dipsy. Those gals, I should say. Yeah. Not guys. Okay. Um... Yeah, I think that that that's a, the regrets and the choices we make in life are so powerful and they can be so haunting if yeah. you let them. And the daughter of the guy, she was interviewed as well and she was talking about a boyfriend that she had been with who had a tattoo that said, you know, the famous like no regrets, like right. blah blah blah. Like it's a joke, but he his was spelled K N O W. <gasps> Now that one I like. Now we're talking goosebumps. Yeah, that's like clever in a different way. I like that. We love wordplay around here. I love that, and and it's like that's like a double one because it's a play on what we all know. Like we've all seen that no regrets thing, and we all have a bad. (laughs) So for him to do the same thing but change the different word, a tip of the hat, sir. Tip of the hat. Yeah, to her as well for picking the partner who. He would knows his do regrets. that. Like they're they're they're, yeah. Because like that, that. I thought that was clever and interesting because no. regrets can be oppressive and a burden, Ooh. or they can be a learning tool. That I'm not doing that again. This is so we read a book for book club called The Midnight Library, oh, that yeah. was about a library. In between being alive and being dead, where every book that you could pick up had a different outcome. Like it was like a choose your own adventure style of your life. Of your life. So if you had regrets, you could go and you could read a different book that would be about that situation and you can kind of see. And one of the lines that I, I that really stuck with me from this book is they said, the author said, Having regrets is easy. Like it requires little to no effort. Mm -hmm. You just have to think about it. It may require like feelings. It may cause feelings, emotions, but you just have to think about it. The real effort comes in the change and the things that we like do from that. That is the real life, the things that you have to do in this present moment. So it was kind of like a, a inspiration to look at, the future and the changes that you can make rather than dwell on the things in the past. That's easy. We can all do that. But if you want to feel different, you have to do the hard stuff, which is take action. And yes, that is so true. It was such a, it was a good, it was, I loved it. It was a great book. Yeah, because who wants to dwell? Nobody wants Actually, to dwell. Actually, I thought dwell. it was okay. I think it was 7 out of 10. <gasps> oh Anyways, I like the message. Wow, I'm trying to think back to our book. out of nowhere. Like, <laughs> no, no, I mean, it was good. It was good. I feel like there were some things that we cut. We were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I went on and on. Like, I'm thinking back to our book club meeting, and I'm like, yeah, I love the, yeah. the takeaway. You wanted it to be a short message. story, but it was a full yes, novel. Yes, I, I, I just gave you the sum. There you go. I summed it up. There you like, go. Read it, Don't, but like, yeah. also, I told you everything. Back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of the, it's like a long article. Yeah. Oh, anyway, it was good. Maybe you guys will read the New York article. Okay. I'm going to tell you one more story, and then I'm going to talk about my love affair with James Burroughs. (gasps) 
And the you two, did warn everybody. I did. And yes. the story that I'm going to tell relates yeah. to it in a way, okay. a weird way. So, like, just follow along. Okay. So, the article that I read, I think it was either the New Yorker or the Atlantic, but it was, I think it was New Yorker. It was about what do babies, you know, hear when you sing to them? Oh. And, like, why do parents sing to their kids? And I wanted to read this because I constantly make up songs and sing to Lincoln. Even now he's 10. He's not even a baby. Um, my favorite one is <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like when, yeah, he, when he walks down the steps, I go, here he is. He's the best. He's the cutest in the world. His name is Link. He doesn't stink. It's like the <laughs> stupidest song ever. It's the best ever. But every time I start, he starts dance dancing and he gets into it and he's like oh, knows yeah. it's his like you know when fighters come into their song. It's like <gasps> yes. it's, it's like, like the ring when he goes into the, yes, it's his, and he it's gets his like, like theme song. Yeah. It. And he's like, yeah. yeah, I am the best in the world. Okay, so I love making up songs. It's so fun and stupid. And parents do that. And so I wanted to know, like, what is the story about it? And I so it's a bow. Yes. Because <laughs> it's like a way of showing affection, of course. But there's, there, it felt like there was more to the story. And I was really glad that I read the article because it was arguing that there is more to the story. What are you laughing at? I just want to hear everybody's songs for their kids and animals now. Yes. Tag us bo, in bo, that. Bo, 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 Nobody loves Bo like I do. Nobody loves Bo like I wow, do. Sarah does Nobody covers. as cute as he is. <laughs> wow. That's a, that is, does Bo like that song? Loves it. Please, I think because I get her. Bo 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 so it was talking about how babies in particular are pattern detectors. And oh. and so they respond to things that are patterned. You know, like you'll see, you know, baby Mozart, whatever. But then there's like the things you hang in their crib, in their nursery, you know, like the... And they usually have like geometric stuff on them. Babies really respond well to that. And that music, of course is the ultimate pattern. It is a yeah. standardized beat and tempo and pitch, and it just is soothing. Yeah, that's so cool. And then that parents can use these songs as like scripts to cue different things, oh, like sleep yes. would have a different song than play, yeah. and that that helps kids learn transition. It's like and, Pavlovian. Yes. Yeah, For we're sure. all animals. We're friggin' dogs. Basic, okay? Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it gives cues. This, this is building a habit in the same, like, totally. And it pointed out how, like, I've, I sang mine, but normally these are very private. People do not talk about no, the songs right. that they're singing right. to their dogs or kids. And Oops. that what that does is create, like, a shared, oh. you know, private, intimate thing between 
the caregiver and the child and that this shared context and then the like joint attention like if you're listening to a song your attention is in this one spot at the same time and, and that so, collective effervescence feeling of like yes. being together and being shared and like some singing does that i feel like yeah so much yeah so you have the math part of it the rhythm is math and then you have the emotional part of it which is that when you're doing stuff in unison just try any church Right. Then you create bonding and social cohesion and hopefully, you know, like a parent wants the kid to listen to them. So like you're trying to build that scenario too. Um, and it, to me, it connected to this interview that I'm doing later in the show with James Burroughs because one thing that's changed so much in the world since I was born to now is that, you know, we have a million different things ways to look to channel our attention we can go on netflix we can go online we can watch television there's just infinite ways that you can be spending your time but back in the even in the 80s and the 90s there was a a monoculture for sure everybody tuned into the same thing yeah and then you went to work or school and you talked about it correct in the way that people still do for the Super Bowl, and that's about it. I, I was just going to say, spo- like yeah. a big major sports thing or like, yeah. Yeah. Like we still have those moments sometimes Maybe now. the Oscars, but mm, only when little. there's a big thing that goes on at them, like the last one. Yeah. And right. that half the time we see that online anyway later. It's not Wh- even in the same the other, moment. Oh, good point. Good point. Oh, because it's not live. Right. Good yeah. point. Good point. Yep. So yep. like shows back in the day that were big hits were so big that you, if you're a young person now, you can't even conceive of what it meant culturally and how it would inform people's views. An entire generation's haircuts. Exactly. Truly. And that and even not now, just like a few people, like everyone, myself included. Well, it's funny you should say that. That is the perfect transition because I wanted to mention... Um, talking about hair, a lot of you guys know I had the, um, tragedy of a botched bleach job this year that resulted in the thinning of my hair. My gosh, like half of it. Um, and then the more I talked about it, the more I heard from listeners and friends and family who have had hair thinning as well and how upsetting it can be. It might sound silly if you've never experienced it, but it's so much more than just hair or appearance. It's like about confidence and self-image and your identity. And it can be really jarring and disturbing if you experience hair thinning. So anyway, I just love this campaign. It's called ShedTheSilence.com. And they're encouraging women to go on ShedTheSilence.com, uh, connect with one another, share your stories, bond, and Hope to help to get rid of that stigma where people think they're all alone and nobody else is experiencing it when there's so many people and you can read their stories and, and share with them. It's a, I think it's really cool. So um, this is a really great campaign that I think you guys should check out. Let's talk about it. Your hair story could help another woman. Join the conversation at ShedTheSilence.com. That's ShedTheSilence.com. 
com. And now I get to do what I've wanted to do for seven years, which is introduce the incredible James Burroughs onto the show. Um, if you're not familiar, James Burroughs is a television director, but he is so much more than that. Other than Norman Lear, I can't think of anybody who has had a greater impact on television than James Burroughs. Um, and I wanted to interview him for so long and I didn't know how I was going to get him to do it, but he wrote a book and I thought, this is my chance. I've got to get him on the show. His book is called Directed by James Burroughs, Five Decades of Stories from the Legendary Director of Taxi, Cheers, Frasier, Friends, Will and Grace, and more. So many more. And I was lucky enough to get to talk to him about his incredible career and I mean, he really is one of my heroes. I am enamored with the way that he understands comedy, the way that relationships and um, human connection is at the heart of everything he does, and that that is what makes it so timeless. All of his shows still hold up. They are still funny. Part of the book is... um, pages of dialogue from the various shows, I was laughing out loud at just words on a page because the rhythm of the comedy is there and it transcends medium. It doesn't matter if you're watching it on television, listening on the radio, reading it in a book. It is funny. And James Burroughs knows funny. I cannot tell you how um, nervous I was to interview him. So I hope that you'll be tolerant of my gushing during the interview. It is sincere. It is not hyperbole. I am not exaggerating. He is a phenomenon and a genius and a magical human being. And I cannot believe I'm about to do this, but I am introducing the legendary James Burroughs to the Brain Candy Podcast. All right. Thank you so much for coming on Brain Candy Podcast. This won't be an interview so much as just me showering you with praise and talking about how great you are. Um, your book is tremendous. I'm going to store it, I think, with my sacred texts. Oh, wow. I was, what? It was so good. I hope that you feel like everyone is loving it. Are you getting lots of amazing feedback? I am. I am. People do like the book uh, because it's interesting and short. I was so grateful that it's thorough. Yeah. I was so thankful that you included so much. And I just felt so much gratitude because you certainly didn't need to write it. And I was wondering, why the heck doesn't a guy like you just rest on his laurels? Why um, Why now? Why'd you write it? Uh, well, my laurels are spiky, so I can't lay down on them or rest on them. <laughs> uh, I, I have these stories that I've... Um, told over the years and uh, my wife said uh, you got to put them down i'm tired of hearing them let let somebody else look at them and and listen to them well i'm so thankful you got to thank her for me i will so you know when covid hit and there was no work really she said now's the time so i i proceeded with uh, uh the procedure of writing a book and i found a great co-author named Eddie Friedfeld who's a big fan of sitcom and a big fan of mine. And we started talking and uh, two years later, this baby was born. That's a beautiful baby. It really is. 
and it was so informative and just fascinating. You have had quite a life. And um, I was so impressed with how you describe the way that comedy is like music with rhythm. And people always talk about how you on set will often close your eyes, will turn your back, you're listening. And I want to know, what what are you listening for? I'm listening for the rhythms. All jokes and um, lead-ups to jokes are all about rhythm. And if you don't have the right rhythm, the joke will come out wrong. And if the audience hears the joke wrong the first time, uh, when you do it right, they're not going to laugh as hard because they know what's coming. So um, I'm always listening to the rhythms and, 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 uh, you know, the Paul, I, you know, I, if you're doing a comedy, you know, there's no dancing. So you don't want pauses unless somebody's doing a great physical bit. So that's what I listen to. And um, it's, um, it's, it's worked all these years. And so you'll sense that the rhythm isn't right. And then you'll make adjustments if needed. No, I'll stop them. I'll stop them. If it's in front of an audience, mm-hmm. I'll stop them. I'll I'll stop them before they blow the joke. And, uh, you know, and we go back and uh, I explain why I stopped them and they understand. And then they uh, we, we continue rolling and we do the joke again. But this time it's right. And it gets a big laugh. I was thinking about I'm a big fan of um, Curb Your Enthusiasm and their process involves the kind of script that's more like a skeleton. And then, of course, they ad lib. And I was wondering if that would affect the rhythm, like how that would work. Well, uh, they shoot a lot of footage and then the rhythm is made in the editing room. Okay, Um, It's not in front of an audience. So they they take. <clears throat> they probably do a scene a couple of times and they take the best call the best of 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 the of the two scenes and put it together right so your rhythm comes then and theirs comes later yeah mine mm-hmm. has to be in front of an audience there's 250 people laughing at the show and so you have to you know you if your joke doesn't work in front of them then you go back and write another joke because they're 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 your uh they're your, they're your critic about what's funny and what's not funny. It's not just in the own, in the writer's head. Right. And you describe in the book that um, even now on tape day, you get sweaty palms and you're kind of hyped up. Is that anxiety or fear or just excitement or everything? Uh, I've, you know, every show I've ever done, even when I was doing stage plays alone, uh, I, I'm in uh, in dinner theaters and stuff like that. I always have sweaty palms before a show because you never know what the audience is going to react to. And so I still have it even on Will and Grace, which I knew was hysterically funny. I still had. And, and I think the writers, too. Uh, you know, Max and David, who created the show, you know, have sweaty palms, too, because you don't know if the jokes are going to work. And if they don't work, you got to rewrite them. So... Uh, you you don't want to be totally confident. You mm-hmm. want to, you know, what you think in your head is funny, you hope is funny in front of an audience. You don't want to be confident it is funny. Right, because you don't want to sort of get used to it and then it's not as good. No, because if you're confident it is funny and the audience doesn't laugh, 
then you're confident in your own mind and you're going to, even though the audience didn't laugh, you're going to keep the joke in the show. We don't do that. Right. And that's why they are still funny no matter how long ago you film them. The jokes right. hold up. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Yeah. Um... I was thinking about the Cheers pilot. Cheers is the best show that was ever made, by the way. And um, I was thinking about how that pilot has become, you know, legendary and people refer to it when they're writing a pilot as sort of the gold standard. And um, but it was famously not well rated because there were no stars right in the show at the time. Right. And I was wondering, do you agree that that's like the pretty much the gold standard of pilots and why are pilots so hard well pilots are hard because you have to introduce a new set of characters to an audience and the kind of pilots i do there are really no stars in them so uh the 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 characters and the humor must work to entrance an audience into into watching the show because there's no there's there you know there is no jerry seinfeld in the show or bill cosby or somebody like that that the audience is going to know uh and and tune in this is a show where you have to acquaint the audience with the star with the people in the show and the audience then adapts them if you're lucky and makes them stars and uh that's what happened on cheers you never saw anybody before I mean, uh, Rhea was in Taxi. She played Louie's girlfriend in Taxi. And uh, Teddy was in Body Heat, a movie. But they really weren't well known for television. So Cheers to me is in the vernacular as as maybe the best comedy pilot ever written because it introduces the characters and it's funny. Yeah. And it's funny in a not knock your socks off way, but funny in in a character way. Yes. and. When the characters are introduced, it doesn't feel contrived. It, it right. feels authentic. Yeah, because you have, in most shows, you if you're doing a pilot, you have an alien. And what I don't mean space person. Yeah. An alien. Diane Chambers walks into that bar for the first time. So <laughs> Ted, who owns the bar, has to explain to her who everybody else is. 
So that's how you, you know, that's how you do, that's how you introduce the characters. On Taxi, uh, in, in in the first scene, John, uh, Judd Hirsch picks up a, uh, a, a affair named John, and he starts telling him about his life, and then he brings him into the garage and introduces everybody else. So, in essence, that's what you have. That's if, that's good storytelling. You have oh. a an outside character who you have to explain what's going on to. It bumps me out. I know everyone always asks you about are sitcoms dead and blah blah blah. Um, but it it does bum me out that the networks kind of don't give shows the time to become themselves. Like I feel like Cheers wouldn't have even gotten a chance anymore, don't you think? Uh probably. Uh it's uh, you know, I talk about I've attended the funeral of the sitcom four or five times. And each time it seems that we've closed the coffin and moved it off stage. But this time there is only, I think, only two multi-camera sitcoms on the air. And that's distressing to me. I have yes. no idea why why networks don't want to make more of them. I have I have no answer for that question. Yes, it really bumps me out. And you sort of alluded to it. Let me quote you. You said, if networks knew what they were doing, there'd be nothing but hit shows on the air. Um it feels like they sabotage themselves sometimes. Well, the network is rarely into innovative humor. They're more into imitative humor. Right. They, you know, I, I have many friends at the network and I'm upfront with them and open about what I think about that. Their, 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 their thesis is that um, the characters have to be redeemable at every moment and yeah and the problem with that is that you can't have a character do a bad thing and then have him redeem himself in the in the last couple of scenes so that there's some arc to it they're always the, the networks know what's gone before so they want your show to be like something that's gone before so it's very tough to convince them to do a a new kind of show i mean uh when we did will and grace uh, we had two gay characters in the show, and I think the network was really afraid of the show. But it was really funny, and I was at that point a, a 600-pound gorilla, and I said to them, "You need to, you need to put this show on the air because it's really funny, and the funniness will overcome the problems in the show." So, um, it, it, but it takes a lot. Networks are now. They're they're not they're not innovative. The, yeah. the innovative stuff is happening in streaming and stuff like that. Yeah, but not necessarily on the networks. It would drive me crazy if I were if I were you. But I mean, I'm just glad you're telling them. <laughs> just keep doing it. Um, I have I used to have this idea of like Sam Malone. I I would call it the gospel of Sam Malone, and um, I felt like he, and you describe in the book how he's benevolent and compassionate i always loved how he you could come as you are everyone is welcome in sam's bar and you describe it as the center which i had never heard before and it was so beautifully put tell me what the center means to you of a show uh the center is the the center's eyes the character plays the center the eye those eyes are the windows we call them and that's the window that the audience comes through to embrace all the other characters. Therefore, if the center 
lends credibility to all the characters, the people who are watching for the first time will will embrace those characters because the center likes them. You know, you had Judd Hirsch was the center uh, on Taxi. Uh, uh, Teddy was the center on Cheers. Uh, uh, Kelsey was the center on Frasier. Uh, Jerry was the center on Seinfeld. Eric was the center on Will and Grace. And, you know, you can go down the line. Of, in fact, Friends had maybe two centers. I think, I think uh, Ra, uh, Schwimmer and and Courtney, mm-hmm. the brother and sister, were mm-hmm. kind of the centers of that show. So that's that's where the audience hooks. That's where you hook the audience into the show. So that's what a center is, because a center, like on Cheers, when Ted would when when Teddy would talk to Ratzenberger, who was you know kind of off the wall, and listen to him. That gave credibility to Ratzenberger to like him. So right. uh, that's that's the key. That's what the center is. Newhart was a great center because Newhart had that crazy uh, group therapy, had that uh, right, the, right, the group, right. the He's group, the and they were all crazy. Yeah, right. They were all crazy. But Bob, you know, listened to them and answered them and talked to them. And the uh, same with Mary. Mary was the center of that show. But James, she had Rhoda and Cloris around her and stuff like that. Do you feel like you're the center on set? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You are. Yeah. And that's how everybody talks about you. You know, when they had everybody on all the shows come up and talk about how great you are. That was the sense I got that they relied on you to be that person. Yeah, I'm the uh, I'm the coxswain in the boat that they're all rowing. We're rowing. We're on a sea of. uh, network television we have this comedy and we need to keep the comedy afloat so everybody rows and i'm the coxswain who uh urges them to row faster urges them to row slow or row slower so you know that's 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 what i've been doing for a long time and that is just come it's something that comes naturally to you yeah i mean i do it out of kindness i'm never belligerent or or angry on a set i just do you know I, I deal with uh, with the problems and uh, deal with all the uh, uh, eccentricities on the show and try to try to make everybody a family who likes one another. Dare I say, loves one another because that comes across the screen. It does, and it certainly seems like they love you very much too. And it's the environment that you create is so beautiful. In fact, whenever you said um, in the book, ZZ Top is your favorite band, I was thinking about how. As soon as you hear a couple notes from ZZ Top, you know it's ZZ Top. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that about your shows. Like, there's something about it that's just James Burroughs. And I, oh, I appreciate that. It's so cool. And it's such a magical thing that you can't, it's intangible. Um, okay. So, my favorite type of characters from the show are the people who ought to have their shit together, like Frazier. Or Gray Sadler, because, you know, they're professional, they, they're educated, they're attractive, but then they are, like, always on the verge of insanity. That really makes me laugh. So I'm wondering, is there a certain type of character that make, really tickles your funny bone? Uh, I, I don't think I have a favorite type. I, I like them all. I, I uh, you know, on Taxi... I had a uh, what I like to call an interplanetary cast, <laughs> and uh, 
they all were, you know, they all made me laugh. They all, Andy and even Chris Lloyd, you know, they made me laugh because of their skill as actors to portray these outrageous characters. So you, I don't have a particular type, type I like. You love the collaboration, the ensemble, yeah. all of it. Uh, do you feel like, I don't know, that... Like when you rewatch the shows, do you ever just sit down and rewatch or you only do that like if you're writing a book or something? Uh, I, I've seen the show enough. <laughs> okay. Because there was a moment in the book where you mentioned, oh, I, I caught an episode and I, I noticed I shot something wrong or, or I do it differently now. Right. I mean, I, I don't I don't go to an episode to look at it. Okay. Uh, uh but, uh, you know, I, ca I caught my first Mary Tyler Moore and uh, uh, I noticed there were a lot of things I didn't do right in the camera work. But the acting was sublime. But, you know, because I was learning back then, I didn't I wasn't sophisticated enough in cameras. And uh, um, uh, so I, I noticed things like that. I noticed on Taxi. Uh, there are a lot of moving cameras. Moving cameras are not good unless the actors are moving. If an actor is in a place, sitting down, and all of a sudden the camera zooms into him, it 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 doesn't look great. And back in the days of Taxi, I had no video assist. Video assist is a video camera inside a film camera that lets you see exactly what's happening. And so you can tell if a camera is late in getting to an actor for his line, that you're going to have that movement in the camera that's kind of distracting. There's a lot, there's some instances of that on taxi, but as, as video assist became more, um, uh, uh, more, uh, uh, you, uh, it was used more. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, co I corrected those problems because I, I could actually see what the camera was getting. And those sorts of things, they don't haunt you or anything because you're still learning at that time. It's just right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, everybody had the same problem. Yeah. I notice um, in the book, you often have nicknames for folks on set, and um, you talk a lot about shorthand that you develop really quickly. And um, when you, Ken Levine interviewed you for Hollywood Levine, um, you he mentioned how you camera block in like record speed. Is um, efficiency sort of one of your values? Do you? think that's important i do i wasn't i was i didn't have great speed when i was doing uh, my early shows but once i once i uh, had more experience the speed came and it's good because uh, on the on the um camera day which is when the cameras come in one day before we shoot it in uh, like on cheers i went from nine in the morning to four in the afternoon uh, because it was it's a it was a complicated show same on taxi and then once i got more experience i could i could work nine to one and the the key about that is the actors don't get wasted and tired and uh bored if you go fast enough and give them enough free time especially on a show that's been running for a while the lack uh the lack of boredom will increase their performance and the, the audience isn't restless too, right? Right. But mm -hmm. once the, the, there's no audiences for the camera day, but when you shoot in front of an audience, you want to go as fast as you can. 
because you know, uh, we, we shot chairs in two, two and a half hours. When I was doing, and in Friends, I would shoot Friends in three hours, but when I wasn't there, Friends would go four to five hours. And uh, particularly on that show, it didn't matter because they had a backup audience because the mm. show was so popular. But <laughs> right. if you're doing if you're doing a pilot and introducing new characters, it really helps that you have some speed so the audience um, doesn't get bored. You mentioned in the book that if someone says to you something like, uh, which was your favorite take, even if you don't really have an opinion, you just pick one. And I was wondering if you feel like that sort of certainty is a way of developing trust or what is the importance of that for you? It's uh, it's not take so much as ways of doing a joke. When I work with Cloris oh. on Phyllis, when I work with her on Phyllis, she had nine ways of doing a joke. And they all were equally as fun. Right. Okay. And uh, I used to sit, when I started out, sit through nine ways. And uh, I finally said after I figured out after the third way, I would pick that one. And because they were all equally as funny, there wasn't one that was funnier because she was a a great comedic actress. So that was just me um, saving time. (laughs) Right. You love efficiency. It's so cute. Yeah. Man, they must love you. And that's how you met your wife, really, because she was like hoping for a gig that got out of on tape day at an early enough yeah. time. See, this yeah. is paying off for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just want to know if you kind of are over being worshipped or if that's something that never loses its appeal. Uh, I like it. Uh, you know, I like it. I don't beg for it. I, uh, I enjoy it when it happens. Uh, I don't need it. Yeah. Uh, Uh, My work speaks for itself, and uh, um, it's just I have great friends uh, from from the work I've done, and that's really what counts to me. Yeah, well, that's because you, as you say, kindness is your is the best currency, and so Mm -hmm. that attracts good people. I'm sure. Yes. Um, We have a question that we ask everybody. we think it's indicative of like where you are in your life. So the question. 32. Oh, wait, you didn't ask the question. I'm sorry. <laughs> the question is, what do you keep in the trunk of your car? Golf clubs. Do you? Mm-hmm. Are you good? Oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> is that true? Yeah, I used to be good. I'm not. I'm, I, I used to be okay. Now I'm not so okay. I keep golf clubs and I keep a hat. All right. You're a troubleshooter. You're ready to. Right. Okay. Um, In the letter that you wrote to Mary Tyler Moore, when you were like hoping to get a job, you said something and I'm going to just say it's you because I feel like it applies. So you said, let me hold up my script. Thank you for being a good listener and a great person and for bringing all of us such joy on the television. I say that to you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I really do because I know you pro- you're probably a little bit immune to it, but you change people's lives and you make them so good. Uh I appreciate that, but don't forget it's there's a lot of writing involved that I don't do and there's a lot of acting involved that I don't do. 
And so I, I take that with, uh, with a grain of salt because I, it's not only me. It's, yeah. it's the people I work with who the words I get and the talent I get from the actors uh, is, uh, is uh, I've been blessed. I came along at the right time and into a golden age of sitcom and uh, I've uh, I've had it's been a it's been a wonderful ride I'm so thankful I'm so thankful that it all worked out the way it did because our lives are immeasurably better because of you that's why people get mad when there's a finale it's because we love you and your work so much yeah finales are hard yeah you're taking a pacifier away from the audience (laughs) yes we have needs James I know um thank you so much for your time you're off the hook thank you so much i appreciate you're the it best. does it say off air behind you when it <laughs> i wish damn it i need another one you need you need to you need to fix that okay i'll work on it okay. set design you do it all okay thank you james have a great day thank you Bye. bye-bye look around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.